her, I said, are you from Texas? <laughs> she said, no. I said, seem like you might be from Texas. <laughs> and I didn't mean that as a bad thing. It's a good thing. My, uh, I was born in Missouri. I grew up in Kentucky. So I feel like I'm a Kentuckian, even though I was born in Missouri. But I've been in Oklahoma since 1978. And so... Now I'm an Okie, and, uh, but uh, Miss Danny, she's not been out of California, and she could, she could go to Kentucky and fit in, Oklahoma fit in, Texas and fit in. I hate to say it out loud, but even Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas's got a lot of problems, but anyway, you could fit in there, Miss Danny. That's a blessing. I, I love it. Uh, it's... Anyway, I'm blessed by it, so thank you. Thank you for being here tonight. I've been blessed all week. I've talked to several. During the week, I do phone work and so on. I've talked to several preachers and just told them what a blessing it was to be here, the joy it is in each service, and then there's an anticipation for each service. It's not You're not coming in here dragging and dead like, oh, how long will this last? Will it be over soon? And I do go to churches that act like that, but uh, you guys, that's not your disposition. And I want to tell you, thank you. It's a blessing. And um, I'm going to go ahead and say this because I don't want to put anything in pastor's brain or heart. And I don't think I can, but I'm going to say this anyway. I love that um, I, us preachers, are we're some unique when we hear preaching that we like, now there's a lot of preachers out there, and some of them don't turn us on, some they turn, other people love them. But anyway, when we hear preaching that we like, it stirs us up that we want to do a little preaching too. <laughs> and uh, so your pastor evidently likes my preaching. Because <laughs> when it, it's time for him to come up, he, he uh, amplifies what was preached and uh, Pastor, I'm telling you, it's a blessing to me. And you're not just up here talking. You have uh, two or three verses that you fling out that you give us and that has uh, addition to the message and it has uh, meaning and it's a blessing, brother. And so just for you to off the cuff say this verse over in Matthew, over in Leviticus, and this over in Exodus, and all that stuff. I can't do that off the cuff. i got to go, oh, just a minute, i got to look at this. Here. <laughs> but uh, I appreciate it, preacher. It's a blessing to my soul, I want to tell you. Thank you. So since I'm thanking, I want to go ahead and thank Pastor for giving me a privilege to come and preach. I, people tell, they will say, oh, thank you, Brother Dave, for taking time out of your schedule to come and preach for us. Well, actually, I only came because I got asked. I didn't take it out of my schedule. I put it in my schedule. So, but thank you for asking me and letting me come. I am really blessed to be here. And then I want to say thank you for giving to an offering. Uh, it, uh, I appreciate how Pastor approaches that. And we live like this. This is what I do. And if I don't get to preach, I don't get paid. And uh, this is what I do. And I'm very thrilled and humbled that God lets me do it and he's taken care of us immensely and I'm grateful for his goodness to us and so uh, thank you for giving I'm I'll just go ahead and tell you I say this almost every week but I am humbled that folks like you are
are blessed in such a way that you take resources that you could use for gasoline, for food, for doctor bills or clothing, but you take your resources and you go, hey, we want to be a blessing to the McCrackens. Um, I'm humbled by that, but thank you. Thank you very much for that. Then uh, Nancy and I are uh, going to move out tomorrow, and uh, we're going to move over to Bakersfield. And anybody that knows anything about Bakersfield, they are full blood, true blue hicks. They are. They can move over to the Arkansas and fit right in. They can move to Oklahoma, fit right in. They can move to Tennessee, I'm telling you. Anyway, they need Jesus over there, too. Amen. So, uh, anyway, I seem like I had something else, but um, it's a blessing. Oh, yesterday, Pastor and Mrs. Pastor, they uh, took us to see where the property is and took up on the hill and to see over the valley and Anyway, he told me how the city's going to pot and showed me some of that. But then he told us about the Indian, Indian Canyon. And so we went there today. And uh, we, were, we loved it. It was wonderful. My wife does not do uh, hiking. She, she hikes across a parking lot. Uh, she doesn't have good coordination or balance. And I probably will mention that in the message. But anyway, uh, so... But she said, you can go down and hike some if you want to, and I'll wait for you. And I go, no, we're not prepared, but we will. I said, next time we come, we'll prepare for it, and I can uh, go down and do a hike thing and so on. And then I have some things for her there at the, uh, whatever they call that, the trading post. Yeah. So anyway, it was beautiful. And also, we want to do the tram. We didn't know about the tram till yesterday. And so next time... If, Get to come through. We're going to do the tramp. And anyway, uh, so I was blessed by that. Uh, Proverbs 21 in your Bibles. Proverbs 21. Some of you have anticipated tonight, and some of you have not. Now, Miss Nicole, was that an accident or was that anticipation? Oh, I love it. She went like this, and I thought she might have been flicking a bug or something, but she went like this. And I thought, oh, so I love it when a woman's anticipating what the Bible says. <laughs> I like it. Proverbs 21, if you're able, would you stand with me, please? We stand to give reverence and honor to the eternal, infallible, inerrant. It's the perfect, preserved word of the living God. Hallelujah. Wow. Wow. I'll just say it out loud. You can believe every word in it. You can believe every word in it. You can stake your eternity on it. No matter what science says, no matter what the pundits say, you can believe this book. Just because I love it, I want to read again to the first three verses. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the hearts. To do justice and judgment is more acceptable to the Lord than 
than sacrifice. Verse number 17, he that loveth pleasure, that's where all these sermons came from, from verse 17, he that loveth pleasure shall be a poor man. He that loveth wine and oil, he that loveth luxuries shall not be rich. So verse number 9, it is better to dwell in a corner of the housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house. Verse 19, it is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and an angry woman. A friend, that is in the Bible, and since it is, we're going to discuss it tonight. So let me have prayer with you, and let's see what God has to say to our hearts tonight. Our great God, I do come to you again. I just want to say thanks again. You're so good to me. I am humbled again by your kindness and mercy and grace to me. Thank you. Thank you for putting up with the likes of me that you let me do this very thing. Open up your book and endeavor to preach your word. Thank you. Thank you for folks at Bible Baptist Church that have interest in your word and your preached word. Thank you. Thank you for Pastor Nolan and the work that you've allowed him to do and the accomplishments and the hearts that have been touched and lives that have been changed. Just thinking about uh, Mr. Wells, his life and eternity's changed because of the church here and somehow they got introduced and got to come here so God thank you that that's why we're here for eternity we're preparing for it. this is just the dressing room to get ready so thank you Lord so Lord I am looking forward to what you're going to do tonight so I ask you for your help please help my mind and heart to get across truth I pray you'll use it so you can be glorified. If someone's not born again, they're not saved, like Miss Danny just sang. Oh, I pray you would show them how much you love them, touch their heart, squeeze their heart to help them know that you will forgive their sin and you'll give them eternal life if they'll turn to you. So thank you again, Jesus. Thank you for what you're about to do. And we really do look forward to when we get to see you. So it's in your holy name we pray, Christ. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So I guess you could say the theme of the week has been deception. And hinges are all swings around self Deception. Self-deception can lead us to conclusions that are far from the truth. You can deceive yourself into thinking that you are better than you really are. Thinking that you're okay when you're really not. You can deceive yourself into thinking that your sin will not catch up with you. So, tonight... 
kind of an overview sentence. You could use this to color what we're looking through. Selfishness destroys our closest relationships. Selfishness will create distance rather than closeness. <clears throat> so there's these two friends that have not seen each other for a number of years. And they had determined that, hey, we're going to get together. We got to get together. And so they chose a restaurant to meet in and they met there and they hadn't seen each other for a number of years and they were glad to get together and catch up and so on and so they sit down and they ordered this platter that you serve it's like a family style and you serve off the platter and you get your food and so they ordered the fish platter well one of the buddies he took upon himself and he served and so he took the little scoop spatula thing and he gave his friend a piece of fish and then he took a piece of fish and his friend said, you have the nerve. He goes, what's the problem? He said, you gave me the little piece and you took the big piece. He goes, oh, how, how would you have done it? He said, well, if I was the one serving, I would have given you the big piece and I would take the little piece. And his buddy said, well, you got what you wanted. <laughs> and they both laughed about it and chuckled about it and so on. And uh, I'll just say, rarely does selfishness generate laughter. But they did laugh about it, carry on. Kevin and Tyler, sitting at the breakfast table, two young boys, they were arguing about who's going to get the pancakes first that mom was fixing. Mom overheard them arguing, who's first? Well, I'm the oldest, I get to go first. Well, I'm the youngest, I should go first. I'm the little one, I should go first. And so they're arguing about it. And the mother thought, well, this would be a great time to teach them a good lesson. So she says, hey, boys, wait, wait. If Jesus was here, he would let his brother have the first pancakes. And Kevin spoke up right away. He said, okay, Tyler, you be Jesus. <laughs> and here's the deal. Almost every one of us wants someone else to be Jesus. We want to go first. We want to be looked after. We're selfish. Can somebody say amen? amen. It's our nature to be selfish. It's our nature that we're proud you do not have to teach a baby how to be selfish. It's not long when they learn the word, mine, mine, mine. They do not want anyone else to have what's theirs. Is everybody hearing me? You don't have to teach them that. It's innate in us. We're born sinners. So I just want to get you a, your thought to go a direction here. Sometimes, us humans, and I'll just talk about us, we are much nicer to people, strangers that we meet out in public than we are to our people in our own home. 
We know how to show deference. We know how to show patience. We know how to show kindness. We know how to speak nice to them. But inside our own home, we're going, what in the world? I can't believe you get that. Is everybody hearing me? It's also true that sometimes out in public, someone has provoked us somewhat, didn't do what we expected, and we said, I've got to give them a piece of my mind. And we let them have it and just rip into them thinking these thoughts. They deserve it, and I'll never see them again, so I might as well get it off my chest. Can I just tell you, both attitudes are wrong. Neither one of them are appropriate. They come out of this thing called selfishness. It's all about me. It's what I want. It's what I deserve. It's what I should get. These two verses, verse 9 and 19, they deal specifically, it, it really it deals specifically with a husband and wife. I thought it was fascinating that the application is obvious to relationships in the home, husband and wife, but there are other people in the home other than those two. Sometimes other people moved in. That's what happened to us. Nancy and I have been married one year, and we had somebody move right in with us. Just a little person. They couldn't take care of themselves. We had to look at it and touch it, clothe it, feed it. They stayed there the whole time. Yeah. Then another one moved in. Yeah. But I think it's fascinating. Look at verse 9. It's better dwell in the corner of a house top than with a brawling woman in a white house. But look at the next verse. The soul of the wicked desireth evil. His neighbor findeth no favor in his eyes. I know that at, at a, a surface that appears like that has zero to do with it. But I will tell you that your neighbor is like uh, your neighbor. Amen. And there are interchanges between you and your neighbor. Even if it's only a look. So we need to consider what selfishness will do in a relationship. Watch, watch, I already said it. Selfishness will create distance, a gap. I could use the term wall between two parties. I, wouldn't even, I could even use the word a chasm. And it, it bleeds out of, and it's a result of, selfishness. And then there's going to be sentences or statements, I should say, like this inside the home. I just don't feel the same way I used to. Here's another one. They just don't understand me. They don't get me anymore. Here's another one. People love this one. They think that that this one is okie-dokie. We just kind of grew apart. Well, do you know why you grew apart? Friend, it's called selfishness. 
you got your eye looking over here and you wanted something and you wanted something and you didn't include them on what you wanted because, you know, it's all about you. And because of the neglect on this side, the other side goes, well, and they start wanting some attention and some, is everybody with me? And it's selfishness on both halves. You didn't just grow apart, you're selfish to part. Is anybody hearing me? But they're not going to say that out loud. Because, you know, I don't know if you know this, but in verse 2 it says, because every way of man is right. right. <laughs> I'm right. In my own eyes. Amen. So the scripture says, a man would rather have uncomfortable living quarters than deal with the unpleasant attacks of a contentious wife. Sir, that's what it says, the wilderness or the corner of a housetop. It does say it is better. It's better to be way out there. It's better to be way up there than to be down here. That's what it says. It says, then a brawling woman. This is brawling. Brawling. Have you ever heard the phrase, there's uh, some people over there and they, some, there's an argument that ensued and then they started fighting and it turned into a brawl? <laughs> that means there's some action going on. And it's not patting each other on the back. Listen to the definition of brawling. Contentious. Oh, that's the same one in verse 19. It's like they're like synonyms. Angry. Angry debate. Quarrelsome. Argumentative. It includes the word mean. Is anybody hearing me? Uh, maybe you're not getting it. My pastor, <laughs> he said that his dad said, boy, when you get married, you buy your furniture really, really heavy. It's so heavy that she cannot pick it up and hit you with it. Or you buy it so light that it won't hurt when she does hit you with it. So, good advice from dad. Now, wait a minute. I didn't write this. It's like in the Holy Bible. Evidently, the Bible knows, God knows, that there are women who are mean. Okay, let's, not, let's erase the word mean. There are women who are argumentative. They're quarrelsome. Well, let's just use another word. They're angry. That's in the, I, I just, I'm just reading what the Bible says, and I'm defining what it says, is that there are contentious, angry, quarrelsome, argumentative women. Always want to be in the debate. Here we go. The Bible used the term in another passage in 19. It says that uh, she's like a, a, a leaking roof, a dripping faucet. 
Rather than live down here in the normal part of the house, I got to go somewhere else. And the Old Testament period of time, there wasn't uncommon that they had flat roofs and there wasn't uncommon to build a small area. We might call it like a closet, or, but it actually might be a little guest room. It's, not, it's only big enough for a little mat and a little table and that's it. And that's, it's, it's not the most comfortable place, but it is a place. Um, I told you the other night I read something to you from Matthew Henry and I actually have lines through it not to read it but I was looking at it again before service I thought I need to read this I don't talk like this but it is anyway now he, he said this in the 1800s is when he wrote this but he goes what a great affliction it is to a man to have a brawling, scolding woman for his wife, who upon every occasion, and often upon no occasion, breaks out into a passion and chides him or those about her, is fretful to herself and furious to her children, he finds it no purpose to contradict the most unreasonable passion. There's no reason to argue, for it is unruly and rages so much the more. He finds his best way to retire into a corner of the housetop and sit there alone out of the hearing of her clamor. That's a colorful way to paint this, isn't it? I'm thinking he's got a handle on this. And we don't want to just start poking our finger in you girl's face and say, it's you, it's you, it's you, and you know it's you. I will tell you, the Bible says it exists. A man with a contentious wife would rather face the storms that are outside in the wilderness than the next storm that's getting brewing inside the house. He'd rather be exposed to the heat of the sun than the heat of her wrath again. Listen to what I listen. If a fellow does not have a wife who has a meek and quiet spirit, that's what it says in 1 Peter. If she does not have a meek and quiet spirit, he will find a place that offers peace and quiet, even if it's not favorable to his comfort. Wow. Mr. Sorison, a commentator of Proverbs, says, An unsubmissive and contentious wife has driven more than one man to desperate measures. Anybody hearing me? And always. Worse than that. Is anybody getting this? That's a bummer. I'm going to turn this over just a minute. We're going to come back, but I'll turn it over just a minute. It's not just 
women who are argumentative. It's not just women who are quarrelsome. It's not just women who are contentious or angry. Listen to the Holy Bible. Proverbs 14. He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly. Proverbs 22. Make no friendships with an angry man. Proverbs 29. Angry man stirreth up strife. Ecclesiastes. Anger resteth in the bosom of fools. Proverbs 15. Wrathful men stirreth up strife. I'm telling you tonight, not only are women angry, not only are women contentious, not only are women brawling, but the Bible makes it plain that there is such a thing as angry men. And angry men are flaring their nostrils, and they are full of heat, and they too are argumentative and quarrelsome and brawling. It's not just a female who can do that. I'm going to do just a tiny pause. It's not a long pause. For you that are not married yet, make sure you marry for more than just good looks or money. You need more than just nice wedding, happy wedding pictures to have a happy home. Marriage does not make you a sinner. It reveals you are a sinner. Since we're talking about it, hey, hey, don't think that you will change once you get married. And once I get married, I'm going to be a better man. I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to stop pornography once I get married. Once I get married, I'm not going to think about that anymore. Once I get married, I'm not going to be a cusser. I'm not going to curse anymore. Once I get married, you know, I'm going to do, stop drinking. I'm not going to do, I'm, I, once I get married, I'm not going to spend the time down there with my buddies. Once I get married, is anybody hearing me? Once I get married, I'm not going to be a liar. Once I get married, I won't have a wandering eye. Don't think that just because you marry them, you can change them. Don't overlook the red flags. Wearing a ring won't change a person's character. Hey, Bubba, if she's mean before you get married, she's still going to be mean. If he's a man given to anger before you get married, don't think you're going to change him, girls. Now, I give God the glory. I give him hallelujah. He can change. He can change us. And I've, oh, I've been in the ministry so long now, I've turned into an old guy. 
But I've counseled people so long and so on, and, and they say, Brother Dave, I can't help it. I'm just hot-headed. I just, I just do that. I just fly off the handle. It's, my dad was like that, and I'm just like my dad. I am. And I go, wait, 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 wait. Did you get saved? Do you have the Holy Ghost living in you? Are you supposed to be becoming like Jesus or not? Do not use the excuse that your dad was mean, so you're mean. Your dad was soon angry, so you're soon angry. <laughs> Listen, this is, a, this is the most... Un... People accept that. They swallow this. They go, well, you know that she really can't help it. She has red hair, you know. <laughs> that the color of your hair dictates your character? What? How in the world can you? Well, Brother Dave, it's true. You ought to, let me tell you, I know four red-headed people. They're all mean. Yeah, I know four blonde-headed girls that are stupid, too. I mean, dumb. I mean, mean. I meant mean. Then you can't judge someone by the color of their hair, or their color of their skin, or if they wear glasses or not. What is wrong with you? It's insane. If you're a believer, you're supposed to be becoming like Christ. Do not, do not allow that to be an excuse. Come into my office and I'm counseling a husband and wife and he says something dumb like, you know, my uncle was really, he was really bad at this too. I just want to jump over the desk and beat the fire out of him with both fists and say, don't worry about it, my dad was like that, I'm good. What a knucklehead. And you girls that are gripey and complaining and you're so good at lying and manipulating. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's not okay. How many women have I seen say, all right, your dad doesn't know this. and Don't tell him, okay? Because this is what we're going to do right now. What? You just taught them that they got to go behind their dad's back? That's what you taught them? No, no, friend, that's not uncommon. That's common. When you girls go, well, I can't help it. He's stupid. He's dumber than a box of rocks. And there's no way that he would understand what we're trying to do here. Well, honey, you married him. Well, I thought I could change him. Well, you can't change him. Only God can change him. All right, I wasn't supposed to spend that much time there. Hmm. Okay, ladies. Make sure you're the right kind of spouse. You're not. You drive me nuts. I wasn't crazy until you. I can't take it. If this verse describes you, listen, girls, you need to realize the damage you're doing in your home. To your own life and the discomfort, how upset, how disappointed, how uncomfortable you are, and then everybody around you, you make them uncomfortable. They all want to go find a corner or go outside. The Bible says, let the aged women teach the younger 
to love their husbands. You don't need to teach them how to argue and bicker and bellyache and complain. But you do need to teach them to love their husband. Well, how would you do that? Well, maybe uh, you need to learn how to talk properly. Season your, season your marriage with two things, girls, love and respect. Well, I can't respect him. You know what he's like? No, 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 you're messing up. You're married to him. The Bible says that you're supposed to be submissive to him and subject to him. How subject? Well, like the church is to Christ. The church is supposed to be subjective, subject to Christ. That he's the master, we're not. He's not my master. I know, but that's, that's how you behave toward him. He's not your master. But you behave toward him because you respect him. Well, I can't respect him. But maybe if you did respect him, maybe he would have better speech towards you. Maybe he wouldn't be so complaining all the time. Well, what if he keeps being mean? What if he keeps being angry? What if he keeps acting like that? Well, according to the Holy Bible, you're supposed to be, have a meek and quiet spirit. The Bible doesn't say, okay, give him a month, and then after that you can, you can drive him nuts. I'll give him six months. After six months, if he's still an idiot, it's okay. Just let him have it. Get that guy to move out. And keep doing it until he moves out because it works. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you're supposed to love him. To love someone is not just an emotion, it's a decision. I know we love the emotion where I go, oh, I got chill bumps. When I looked at her, oh my goodness, I love her. The first time she touched my hand, I'm telling you, electricity. <laughs> That's called emotions and feelings. Since you brought it up, people love their dog. They love it. I mean, they love their dog. They let it lick their face. Yes, daddy, daddy's here. Be my baby. I love you. He's now the chief of police in my city, Moore, Oklahoma. His children go to my daughter's Christian school that she teaches. She's friend with the chief of police. I'm sorry, I've got the wrong family. It's not the chief of police. He is in politics, and his wife has uh, value or prominence in our city. I got it mixed up. I'm sorry, messed up with the chief. It's not the chief, but... Today, my daughter said, my friend, she told me her name, their dog that they've had 16 years died last night uh, on the weekend. And the girl's in the fourth grade, and she said, how's she doing? You know, she's asking how she's doing. She's doing pretty good. Her daddy is not. He's had that dog, and he loved the dog, and he's the one that's mourning, and he can't get over it. And the girl, the fourth grader, is encouraging him she said, I think it's helping her deal with it. 
That's how much he loved the dog. People, that's not, that's not a dog. It's my kids. It's my, my family. And I know, I know, I know the emotion, the feeling is that. But it's a decision you made. It wasn't because the dog was so beautiful. When it's a little puppy, they're all cute. But they do grow up. It's amazing to me what we let dogs do and what people let dogs do in their house. Dog gets on the bed if it wants to. Well, okay. Dog has got his feet in her face. You know, I guess that's how the dog sleeps. He won't go anywhere else. The dog tears up stuff. My daughter has two dogs, the one that's the teacher. They have to take their trash cans and put them up on the high counter because one of the dogs is a wild man. He'll sling it everywhere. That's their dog. I wouldn't let my children behave like that, but we let our dog. No, 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 don't get me wrong. I know you love them, but you made a choice. People that love cats, honey, you made a choice. That's all there is to it. Ain't nobody can argue with that. When you love another person and when you spend time with them, what caused that is that the choice is amplified. And you go, I love them. I like them. I like their looks. I like how they talk to me. I like how we get along. And when a husband and a man is courting a woman, man, there's all kinds of things he does that is not normal. I, uh, okay. Nancy and I, while we were courting, she was in Dallas. I was in Missouri. I was in college. I was doing some summer school work. And I could call her. We had a pay phone at the end of the hall. And I could call her and talk on the phone. They never did say, hey, Bubba, you're, you know, the timer didn't say 30 minutes, put in another quarter. You could talk as long as you want to. I could talk to her an hour. Today, if I called her, two minutes, baby. Okay, I'll talk to you later. Bye. Is everybody hearing me? I wanted to talk to her. I, was, I sent her letters every day from Missouri on our engagement period. Oh, I love you. I can't wait to see you. I can't wait to touch you again. I love you. I, I can't. I was syrupy. Sappy. And now I go, are you ready or not? Can't just pick out a pair of earrings. It doesn't matter. Let's go, woman. While we were dating, I was going, well, which ones do you like? Can I help you put them on? Is anybody hearing me? How did I win her? I didn't win her by my looks. And people see us together and go, how did she marry a man look like that? What happened to her? But it was because I was nice to her. And I complimented her. I wanted to be around her. I was interested in what she was interested in. And then after people get married, they get short-tempered. I don't know if you're hearing this. They grow apart. No. I become interested in what Dave wants. I already have her. Let me see if there's something else out here I want. Is anybody hearing me? It's all important to me. 
Same thing happens for the women too. Somebody say amen. amen. So ladies, season your marriage with love. Love is a decision you made, and now, listen, it's supposed to be unconditional love. You don't love him because he's good looking. You don't love him because he smiled at you. You love him because you're supposed to love him. And if you will talk to him and respect him, it might turn the tide that he goes, wow, she's treating me like, like I'm the king. I love her for that. Is everybody hearing me? Or it could be the other way around, but maybe she doesn't treat you like you're the king because you don't treat her like she's the queen. You treat her like she's your servant. You didn't marry a servant. You married a helpmeet. She's your partner. God took the rib out of Adam and gave him a helpmeet. Next to the heart. She's part of me. We are one now. Is everybody hearing me? We're still two individuals. We still have our selfishness. We're still made out of this. We still have humanness. But Christianity is supposed to be able to overcome humanness. I want to be like Christ, and what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to love her. I'm supposed to take care of her. In fact, how, how, how am I supposed to love her? The same way Christ loved the church. That means he laid down his life for her. I should have such a love and regard for her that I would lay down my life for her. I want her to be clean. I don't want to drag her through some murky, wicked stuff. Say, hey, come on, woman, we're doing this. And have her doing something that she's uncomfortable with. Is anybody hearing me? I should want to protect her, keep her from harm. Amen? I will tell you, Nancy and I were, uh, got married in 1978. I'm sorry, 76. We got married in 76. I graduated from college in 78. But 12 years later, Nancy and I have two kids. They are 10 and 9 years old. And Nancy was in a horrible car crash. She was in a coma for 50 days. She was in a rehab for three months. She was in a wheelchair for a year. She suffered severe brain damage. When she came home, she was not able to walk on her own. I had to hold her arms. She, she had tremors, what they called them, tremors. She shook so much. When we put her in a wheelchair, we had to tie her in the wheelchair. She would shake out, out of the wheelchair. So when she... They were, treat, they were helping her learn to walk, and that's when she developed the tremors, and she shook so violently. So I'm holding her arms, and I'm walking backwards, and she's shaking, and we have two steps to walk up into our house. We go into the house. Nancy can't dress herself. She can't bathe herself. She can't feed herself altogether. She can't cook clothes. Is everybody with me? Here's what it did. It changed my life. Because I was the man that came home from work and throw my stuff down and, hey, Nancy, you got some tea? She'd bring me a glass of tea. Got any cookies? She'd bring me cookies. Hey, Nancy, where's my shirt? Nancy, have you ironed my shirt yet? I'm looking for this sock. I can't find the other sock to this. Do you know where that sock is? Is anybody hearing me? 
Got two little girls. How come the girls aren't ready, Nancy? We need to leave. Why aren't they ready? Is anybody hearing me? I wasn't mean about it. I just thought that's what the woman did. I wasn't trying to make, she wasn't my slave. She wasn't my servant like that. I'm just saying in my home where my dad was and my mom, my mom did everything for my dad. And I didn't expect, I didn't want Nancy to do everything. My mom laid out my dad's clothes. He didn't wear, he didn't ever pick out anything. She got his socks, his shoes, his pants, his shirt. She had him laying on the bed ready for him. His underwear, he picked out his underwear. She laid it out there. She did that. I was a kid. I'm in the third grade. The first time I saw his stuff laying on the bed, I'm going, well, that's pretty cool. <laughs> and, I, and my mom, she wasn't a slave. She's not, she just thought that's what women do, take care of their man. She had 11 children. My mom wouldn't let me leave the house if my shirt wasn't ironed. What are you doing? Hey, come back here. That shirt's all wrinkled. What are you doing? You can't go out like that. I wasn't going anywhere. I was going out to the school play or something. You can't. Did you hear me? That's how the home I grew up. And I just thought, well, that's what women do. She feeds me. She does the laundry. She cleans the house. Takes care of me. Takes care of the kids. Well, she was had severe brain damage. She was in a wheelchair for a year. Now, I say, Nancy, I'm getting ready to get some tea. Do you want some tea? I'm going to get some chips. Do you want any chips? Nancy, I'm getting ready to do the laundry. Do you have anything that you want me to do? When we're at home in our house in Oklahoma City and more, Nancy does the laundry. But when we're at Hampton Inn, she doesn't do the laundry. You have to walk downstairs and carry the bag and go into a place and do it. I don't want her walking down the hallway by herself if I can help it. She has poor balance now. She stumbles. She's landed on her face two different times and broke her glasses, just landed flat on her face. One time was in Arizona, south of Tucson, and one time was in Scotland in Europe. I was this far from her when she did it. I felt like it was my fault because I wasn't holding her hand. I was in such a big hurry where I thought, she's okay, she can do that, and it's my fault. And if she didn't blame me, she said, look what you've done to me. She's never done that. But I feel like if, I can, if I'm close to her, I can hold her hand. I can carry that for her. Is anybody hearing me? In the mornings when we have breakfast, usually at a hotel, we eat in the room. We don't eat downstairs. I go down, and I get the coffee, and I get the food, and I bring it up. She could, but she shakes so bad and has tremors that it would be uncomfortable. But she could. When Nancy puts on makeup girls, her right hand, she's right-handed. She writes her name like this. She holds her wrist, and she writes like this. When she eats, she doesn't eat with this hand anymore. It just flings food too much. She eats left-handed. She's not left-handed, and the left hand doesn't shake as much as her right hand. When she puts on makeup, she puts her elbows against her. She's got the eyeliner, and she's going. And she's putting it on her eye, 
ball or what do you call that, eyelid, and then the, the little brushy stuff. Mascara. Thank you, mascara. She does that, and but she's shaking like this. But you know why she does it? She thinks she looks nice if she puts makeup on. She didn't have to. I don't say, hey, woman, would you put some stuff on their face? I will tell you, the first time she went to church, first time she went to church, still in a wheelchair, she couldn't dress herself. I dressed her. Her hair was only this long, this butch kind of hair, because they shaved her head. Now, I put her makeup on. I did. When we got to church, the ladies go, Brother Dave, did you put her makeup on? Yes, I did. I said, Brother Dave, never, ever put it on her again. <laughs> never. She is not a clown. I see, she looks happy, though. Look how happy she looks. Uh, that was a bummer. Here's what I'm telling you. I'm supposed to take care of her, love her, protect her, provide for her. God changed my life. And I've told lots of people around the country, don't wait till your mama is in a wheelchair before you help her. Don't wait till your wife's in a wheelchair before you start doing things for her. Don't wait till your daddy's in a wheelchair before you start treating him like he's important. One of the, I'm going to finish. I'm going to, uh, one of the things that I want to say about home, about our lives, one of the things that we do to each other is that we hurt each other's feelings. We hurt each other. Just a silly look, just a look that I give Nancy. If I'm not careful, that could hurt her feelings just because I gave her a look that, are you going out like that? And you can give that look. You guys know, girls, you know, you can give the look that just rips someone's heart. It could be a statement you say. You don't have to say it. You just felt like, well, I just want to get my opinion out. And you could have just kept the words in your mouth. Because once they get out, you can't get them back. And we hurt, and here's another word, we offend each other. So I want to show you something about offending. I'll make some comments. I'll wrap. I'll be done. I want you to look, if you would look in, uh, just back up a page in Proverbs 21, Proverbs 18. Okay, let me, I'm uh, just going to use this as an illustration. I, oh, I didn't tell you what verse. Uh, did I tell you Proverbs 18? Yeah, verse 19. Here we go. A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. And their contentions are like the bars of a castle. Okay. Now, Robert here is my brother in Christ. Amen? And as a brother, it is a true statement that I could offend you. I could offend you in the parking lot. I could offend you in the foyer there. I could offend you while I'm preaching. I could bring offense to you. I could offend you. I come to your house and we're fellowshiping, carrying on, or I see at the grocery store. And there's any, all kinds of ways that I could offend you. 
It might not have been my intent. I just might have been stupid, and I've got to give my opinion. And then it's an offense to him. Is everybody hearing me? The Bible says a brother offended is harder to be one than a strong city. I don't want him to stay offended with me. With me? I've hurt his feelings. I've offended him. But the Bible says for me to get my brother back, it's harder to be one than a strong city. It's going to be nearly impossible. He said the contentions are like the bars of a council. Now we have contention. You know why contention exists? Proverbs 13.10 says, Contention only cometh by pride. You know where pride comes from? Selfishness. And so now my pride, and he's been offended, and so now his pride raises up too. He said, you can't offend me like that. And so now it's harder to be, the contentions are like the bars of a castle. I don't have a chance almost. Just hear me? No, 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 no. The only reason the Bible said this in here is because it's saying that it is possible to win your brother. It's not saying, it's over, just throw it away, just forget it, move on. It could be like that. But the Bible says, no, no, no. Hey, McCracken, you do what you can to gain your brother. And watch this. I'll come back. Nancy is not my brother. My wife, Nancy, in the back. But she's not my brother, but she is my wife. And we have a closer relationship than I do with a brother. So here's the, here's the illustration, the content. I can offend her just like I can offend Robert. If I offend her, it's just like offending my brother. There's going to be contention. And it's going to be harder to be one than a strong city. Because I am selfish and I had to say what I had to say. I had to do what I did. Is everybody hearing me? Because it's all about me, you know. I'm the one that's important. I'm the one that should be making the decisions here. No, 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 no. Am I just supposed to give up on my marriage because I offended Nancy? You can flip it around because she offended me. Should we just give up on the marriage? That's over. It's harder to be one than a strong city. Or should we endeavor to get, get it right? Here, listen carefully. Here's how men are. Robert, I'm sorry, you're a man too, so here's how we are. I'm going to go back to Nancy and say, Nancy, I'm an idiot. She goes, I know. I'm sorry. I don't know why I said that. I don't know why I did that. I do know why I did it. I'm stupid. I'm selfish. I want my own way. I'm sorry. Would you please forgive me? And I'm sincere as I can be, and I mean it with all my souls. Everybody with me? Us men, us men think she should go, forgive you and she should probably that's what the bible says how many times do you forgive them 70 times seven but 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 she's still offended she forgave me but here's what i want i want everything to be hey yay, we're back together i love you no no there might still be a little tension a little gap there she's trying to forgive me i want it. us men we're stupid us men we want it over right now I asked you to forgive me, it's over. Robert, I asked you to forgive me, come on, let's go, man. Let's go play ball. Let's go have a good time. Let's go fishing. And Robert goes, I'm not ready to do that. It might take, excuse me, it might take weeks. 
might take months. You want to get your, you want to reach your father. You want to get him back in your life. It could take a couple of years. Amen. You want to get, whoa, whoa, whoa. hey girls, you want to get your kids back in your life? It could take a couple of years. Should you give up? You hear me? Should you give up? I'm just saying the Bible says they're harder to be won than a strong city. Their contentions are like the bars of a castle. Here's the deal. When you hurt someone, when you offend someone, don't expect it all be over just because you said, I'm stupid, I'm sorry, please forgive me. You have to forgive me. God says you have to forgive me. It doesn't mean that the heart wound is healed. Couples, a man and a woman getting married. Oh, that selfishness doesn't go away because you got married. Sometimes it gets amplified. But you got to be willing to say, hey, am I going to do it God's way? Am I going to accept what God's word says? Am I going to accept that an angry woman, an argumentative woman, bellyaching woman, am I going to accept that that's true and that I need to try to change my life? And become more like Christ. An angry man and a challenging man and argumentative and just just cannot stop. Shouldn't he learn how to talk to his wife in love with kindness? Doesn't mean you have to be a wimp, but you don't have to be an, a mean jerk. Is everybody with me? Us men, no, 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 no. If you've been married 10 years, you know you've already been a jerk. More than once. It's inside us. And Christ wants to change us. Girls, if you've been married 10 years, you've already got off the handle a time or two. Maybe you could say on the handle. (laughs) No, no, don't start. Don't start. What are we supposed to do? We need to ask Christ to forgive us, ask our wife to forgive us, ask our kids to forgive us. Hey, kids, it's not just parents that offend children. Children offend their parents. Children are, they're argumentative. And the mom wants to say, you go to the wilderness. I'm tired of messing with you. (laughs) Well, our selfishness overwhelms us. It It will run over our lives. If we're not careful. I'm glad that God wants our homes to magnify him. And they are a symbol of him. And they show people, man, Christ in that home is evident. Rather than, man, I hope our home's not like that. Is everybody hearing me? If you're not saved, good news tonight, you can get saved. He wants to forgive your sin. What a Savior. If you are saved, it's just in us, folks. We're all selfish. And this is something constantly we need to be surrendering to the Lord over and over and over. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I'd like to pray with you, our great God. I come to you again. I wanted to say thanks again. Thank you for loving us. Thank you. Thank you for patience with us. God, thank you for some instruction about our homes, about our life. 
I pray husbands and wives would be honest with each other and honest with you. And God, you would be glorified. Parents with their children, I pray they'd be honest with their children. Sometimes we just need to ask forgiveness. And we need to try to show love in such a way that the castle is, the walls are coming down. I pray that young people would see that sometimes they offend their parents and they are rude to them and it's wrong. I pray that there would be a desire in all of us to magnify you and to be like you, Christ. If someone's not saved tonight, thank you they're here. Thank you that they have an opportunity to get saved. I pray that you would convince them, convict their heart. They need to be saved. They need to be forgiven of their sin. Thank you, Christ. Our heads are bowed, and Brother Nolan's going to begin to play. I'll just invite you to respond to the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit has been speaking to our hearts every night. 